This is COVID Connections on the Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. All right, this is a big week, of course, for a lot of parents, particularly first-time parents when your kids are going to school. Uh, And I'm not just talking about the whole COVID-19 restrictions. That's going to be difficult enough because a lot of kids, older kids maybe, uh, who have a bit more wherewithal would have the anxiety. We'll talk about that a bit later. And I want to get your reaction to that. If you want to text us at 087-188-0008, I want to know how you as a parent, feel about sending your kids back to school? Do you have any fear or anxieties? How your kids are feeling? Maybe they're a little bit older, have a bit of wherewithal. How are they feeling about going back to school? Have they got anxiety? Are they okay with it? How do they feel about, say, secondary school and masks and all that kind of situation? But first, uh, I want to talk about young kids. And we all remember the first time we brought our little ones to school. And tell me a little bit more about it is Laura, er- Laura Erskine, who's the parenting expert.ie and Baby Duck Club. Good afternoon to you, Laura. Hello, good good afternoon. Nice to talk to you again. It's been a little while. I think the last time you were on, actually, I was away in Hollier, so I didn't get to chat to you, but it's been nice to talk to you again. But, Laura, I mean, you've put a very extensive guide up in relation to, I suppose, dealing with this problematic first day. I mean, what's the right thing to do? You know, let's first talk about the tears, right? The tears are always the first thing, aren't they? Mammy or daddy, you know, just don't want to be separated from the child and they're worried sick and the child doesn't want to be separated from mammy and daddy. So how do you deal with that situation? You know, it's called resist the rescue. And um, and actually, it's one of the hardest things to do as a parent uh, bringing your child to school for the very first time you know, they've been out of the uh, the school environment for, for almost six months when they would have finished their ecky year prematurely and now they're getting back into a classroom environment and it's a brand new uh, location for them. They won't be familiar with the school at all and now mom and dad will not be allowed to bring them all the way through to the classroom and settle them in as would have happened in previous yeah, years. Yeah, of course, that's right, because so, I remember that when, when my kids were young, but for the first year in school, two months beforehand, during the summer holidays, of course, the primary school would invite as an open day parents to bring the kids in and show them the classroom and, and get them a little bit prepared, I suppose. But that hasn't happened this year. It hasn't, unfortunately. So for any parents listening, I'd urge you to go and visit the school, even just do a drive-by so your child is familiar with what the school building looks like. Um, maybe visit it, visit it on Saturday if they're starting school on Monday. Um and then go and have a nice um, afternoon in the park or something like that. It, it's important to start playing out what school might be like and rehearsing what that first day of school is like so that everybody's prepared. And that goes from starting the, mo- the night before in terms of laying the clothes out, what you expect your child to do when they first wake up in the morning. Do you want them to get dressed? first of all, or do you want them to come down and have their breakfast? Okay, so to get the routine, I suppose the routine is important. You mentioned at the very start of the routine. So routine of, you know, that engaging with your child in the morning, having their breakfast first or getting dressed first or whatever it is or getting their books ready or all that kind of stuff. But also, you know, the actual getting to school, that that part of the routine as well, if it's indeed walking, as so many parents, I know Dublin City Council are now encouraging parents to walk to school with their children and not to drive. Um, So it's that kind of whole idea of walking to school and that's to be in bad weather as well during the winter too so it's, it's that routine too isn't it it is absolutely and you could do some dry runs even tomorrow morning and then instead of going out the door to school go out the door and go for a nice little walk together and maybe stop off at a coffee shop and have a hot chocolate yeah. it's, it's, it's something like that it's, it's actually just 
going through what the routine is like so your child isn't experiencing it for the very first time on their first day of school. And that means that they'll be less anxious and stressed. And actually, you will too as a parent because you'll have rehearsed it. You'll have ironed out any kinks in the routine in terms of getting teeth brushed, getting shoes on, coat on, school bag, all of that, and getting out the door. And, and we've all been living in, with uh, very relaxed rules around get up morning time. And we haven't... Tell me about it. ...in that rush, <laughs> yeah. rush environment. And that can add to stress. Of course, Netflix has a lot to answer for, I can tell you. Um, the other thing as well is, which more affect, I suppose, child, particularly with children with special needs as well, is the whole sensory aspect of school. The school bell, you know, or the announcements on the speaker, all that kind of stuff can be quite frightening for the first time for a child who doesn't know what they're expected to do when that bell rings. So it's kind of talking to your child about those kind of things that we all take for granted, but little children wouldn't know anything about. That's exactly it. It, it, it. You know, it's talking them through what the school day will look like. Everything from, you know, standing in their lena and, and going in that first time where you as a parent are going to have to resist the tears. You need to have a plaster, a big smile on your face, no matter how uh, miserable you feel. might be <laughs> yeah. internally. Do they still um, do the thing in the lena? That reminds me of my school days when we stood in the lena outside the prefab because I was in the prefab, a part of the school, and we all had to put our finger over our lips. Do they still yeah. do that? They do, and actually it'll be more important than ever because with the staggered arrival times, they will be having children waiting in their, their lena, and especially for that first day of school, they'll, you know, you'll, you will by now have had some communication from your school around what time you need to arrive at, and they'll be getting the children to line up because with the teacher will bring them into class and the parents will say goodbye to their children at the yard um, at that time. And that's So the the old idea of, do you remember the, the, the carry on where you'd put the kid in the class and then you'd be trying to look through the glass door or you'd be looking yeah. back. That's gone, <laughs> obviously, isn't it? Your leg, exactly, <laughs> as you try and leave the classroom. It, it will be gone because of the COVID environment. The schools do not want any extra humans on site unless they're absolutely necessary. And that includes parents of the first day of, of junior infants. So, um, now, so okay. practicing a little goodbye yeah. or a, a secret handshake or maybe giving your child something that they can hold in their hand. It could be a precious stone or drawing a little heart on their wrist and telling them to rub it if they feel sad. Or maybe you could draw a little heart Good idea, yeah. and smack them together and say, hey, this is this is us giving each other our love. And if you feel sad, just put your finger on your, on the heart and know that I'm thinking of you and I'll feel it in Aww. my hand. Oh, you're going to make me cry now, Laura. <laughs> now, the, the other thing, of course, is something we've never had to do before is talk about social distancing to children. But I don't think it really applies too much to the little ones. It's more so the secondary schools, uh, which would have the wherewithal to do that kind of stuff. I, I don't think many schools are expecting the little ones, the five and the six-year-olds, junior and senior infants and what have you, to, to socially distance from each other. They may keep them in groups, all right, where, you know, they'll have the older ones in the yard, for example, in separate, separate parts of the yard, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't think they're going to be expected to stay away from each other, are they? What they're trying to do is to have uh, class bubbles. So each class will have its own bubble in primary school and those bubbles will not interact with other bubbles. With another class, yeah. Yeah. And then within those bubbles, there will be pods and each pod will be a buddy group, essentially. Are they still doing that? I didn't know they were still doing that under the guidelines. They are trying to, yes, within primary school. How is that going to work? From second class up to sixth class, there will be pods. They will try and implement it in the junior classes if possible. And actually, it's the way the junior classes actually run anyway. Do you think that, that can work? Do you honestly 
think that can they work, Laura. Having them, the socially distanced aspect of it will be difficult, and that's why they're putting them in the pod, because at least they know if the buddy group of five to six students stay together and try not to interact with the other pods as much, then they're trying to reduce the transmissions because they know that the social distancing will be difficult for the younger students. So that's why they're trying to keep them in those little mm. buddy groups. I, I um, can see that being an interesting idea when it comes to secondary school and, and people are a bit more diligent. But for a little, you know, boy or girl of, say, six or seven years of age, I can see it very difficult or even seven or eight where they're starting to mature a little teeny bit and they start to have a little bit of knowledge about friendships, etc., etc. That, you know, that I'm in a group with, with, you know, Mary, Kate, John and, and, I don't know, Philippa or whoever it happens to be. But I'd rather be with, you know, Mick and Johnny over there you know, and, and they want to talk to them. I can see it being a very difficult situation to control with children that young. It can be, certainly for the senior and first class who won't, who will have forged friendships. But actually, the junior infants are perfectly set up for it because they, they in all likelihood, they won't know any other children in the class. Um, and, and so the, the way the teachers try and forge friendships is actually by align, arranging the classroom into these little buddy groups to allow children to get to know a small group of children first. And then they change it after half term and again Christmas. And they swap it around so that children get to know more children around the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so it may actually work for the junior infants. But actually playing this out with your child, whether it's a boy or a girl, you might use Lego or, or um, action figures and with the girls. It might be teddy bears and dolls. By playing out what the classroom environment might look like with their teddy bears will help to ease their anxiety. Maybe put a mask on the, the teacher teddy bear uh, and uh, the, mm. the juniors might be all grouped into different groups. And okay. you might say, this is how the classroom is going to be. Ring the bell for break time. Ring the bell again for lunch time. And equip your child with the skills to be able to open and close their lunch boxes, their drinks taking on and off their coat. These are all really important. I know, the things we just take for granted and, and, you know, when your child is in school on their own for the first time without mum or dad, you know, there might be difficulties in just dealing with the basics in life and they are things we do take for granted. But look, there's absolutely essential reading there, I have to say, for any first-time parent, Laura, and I think it's a difficult time for everybody. Not only is it a difficult time having your child go to school for the first time, but in this environment we're currently living in at the moment, it even makes it even more difficult because it's not something we're familiar with as adults either. So it's a, it's learning for everybody, I suppose, really, isn't it? It is, absolutely. And if, you're, if your child is anxious, a good way to try and, and shake that off in the morning is to do a couple of, of uh, jumping jacks before you leave. And maybe if you're going in the car or when you're walking, try and, um, try and put on some, some meditation music or talk through some breathing exercises with your child and make them excited, but anchor them and prepare them for a really good day ahead with lots of okay. positive conversational um, words. Well, look, if you want any of that advice that we've been talking about today, it's all under different headings. And if you go to baby.club.ie, I'm assuming that's the right website, isn't it? That's it. <laughs> baby.club.ie, you can get all that it's very easy and I suppose common sense advice, but something that you just might forget about uh, and, and an easy way to deal with life when it comes to bringing your kids to school for the first time over the next six or seven days. Thank you very very much indeed, Lauren. I appreciate you coming on the air today. Thank you. Uh, let me go to Alan White as well, who's a teacher and a well-being facilitator. Uh, good afternoon to you, Alan. Hi, Niles. How are you? And written many books, or I believe books on the on the matter as well, because on well-being as well. I mean, look, it's a difficult time for everybody's well-being at the moment, particularly young children, you know, preparing for school. A very changed world to the world we're used to, Alan. And it's going to be difficult for them, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's going to be a huge challenge for everybody involved. And I think that the initial shock of coming back to school because our young people are going to face into a school environment that's going to be completely different from what they left back in March. 
Uh, there's going to be a lot of new rules and regulations in around COVID-19. And there's going to be a lot of challenges come with that. But I think what we need to remember as well is to try to help our young people um, have a sense of hope and a, and, a, and a sense of safety. And I suppose what I mean by that is that to instill a sense of hope that this will be okay, that everything will be safe and that they will be safe in school. And how we can do that is by empowering them through responsibility. So a lot of us are looking at the restrictions at the moment as kind of regulations that are being put on us. But if we can change the narrative a little bit for especially young people that by doing these things and by doing these things right, that we're actually empowering them to not only protect themselves, but protect everybody, their, their classmates, their, their school friends. So make it, make it a bit well. of a challenge for them as such, yeah. A- absolutely, yeah. because young, young people thrive under, when they're given responsibility, and responsibility and purpose is, what, is one of the core tenets of, of our way. And how do you personally believe, as a teacher as well, Alan, you know, I mean, how practical are all the guidelines? Talking to Laura there a few minutes ago about the little small ones, you know, in bubbles and all this kind of thing. I think that's going to be extremely difficult. Whatever about secondary school, because, oh, look, they're almost adults or they're getting so close to adulthood anyway, certainly teenagers. Uh, they have a little bit more of a knowledge about what's going on around the world around them and maybe, you know, they can decide to be responsible or not. But little small ones, they they don't have a clue what's going on and they don't understand why I can't go over and give Mary a hug or I can't go over and shake little Johnny's hand. or They don't understand that. It's difficult to get them to understand that. It is. A, it, it's, it's a huge challenge, and I think what we have to remember in, in around that challenge is that it's, we, we don't really know what we're facing into yet, and the guidelines are, are there, and there's probably gaps gaps that we're, we're noticing at the moment in the guidelines, but it's something that we can't really react to until we're in the situation. And, and there's also, there's we have to... Yeah, we have to give a lot of reassurance to parents, particularly as well, who are going to be very anxious. And some kids will be very anxious as well, going back to school, by the way. This what they call re-entry anxiety, uh, which is a lot of people are suffering from at the moment. We ha- uh, Although we get a lot of negative news in the newspapers every day, a lot of sensational stories too, some of which are very useful, some of which are no use. Um, I, I think it's important that people understand that the risks are low. And very low. And I think that's, that's important that we keep reiterating that because we don't want parents sending their school, kids to school worried sick that they're going to die because that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. And parents need to remain that anchor for, for, their, for their children. And I suppose what I, what I mean by that is that helping them to understand that, that, there, that what we're doing at the moment, going back to school, it is, it is a safe thing to do. And just to constantly reassure them in, in, that, in that way that by following the precautions that are there, that they will be, they, they will be safe, and I think our children pick up on our own anxieties as as well. So as well as their own anxieties, absolutely. They pick up yeah. on ours as if well. you've got a parent who's paranoid out of their mind, well, then of course you're going to have a child that's paranoid out of their mind because the mammy feels or the daddy feels that way as well, and it's exactly. reassuring them that because I mean, statistically speaking, children are safer in school than they are at home, and that's still, by the way, the case. Yeah, so, so we should re- reiterate that constantly. Yeah, schools are inherently safe places, and, and hopefully they, they will remain that way as well. But I think in around the, 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 the idea of the parents there as well, that you know, a lot of young people, they're just going to skip back into school and everything will be fine. But there will be some anxious children, as, as, as we were saying as well. But I think that parents need to allow their children to experience those difficult emotions and to name them and to talk it through with them. Because yep. sometimes yep. we can be a little bit over positive and by being overly positive about things, everything will be fine. We yeah, we don't brush them off, so to speak. Of course, talk to them exactly. about it, yes. So talk to them about it and, and look, what are their concerns? And 
we need at the moment, I, I know Laura there was talking about the routine, but we need to be able to control or control the controllables because we're, when we're facing into, I suppose, a situation where there's a lot of fear and uncertainty, we, we, there's a sense of that we don't have control over, over our lives and over, over the situation that we're in at the moment. So by being organised, your, your school books, copies, sanitizer, your mask in the case of second second level as well. Having everything organized and the routine that's, and structures that we put in place for our young people will give them that sense of, of control over things and it will help them feel that bit more safe and secure as well. Yeah, In relation to, by the way, very quickly, it was something I noticed when I was talking to Laura in Laura's notes that, you know, kids you know, know how to pack their school bags and their lunch boxes. In the UK, they're not allowed to bring a school bag or a lunch box. Are they allowed to bring a school bag or a lunch box? Uh, as far as I'm, I'm aware, in our, our own current situation that they are allowed to bring a school bag. But what we are looking at is that to, um, teachers are going to reduce the amount of books that are required to bring in. So unless it's absolutely essential, because there is a concern as well about the weight of school bags. Well, there was um, always there was always a concern always, about that, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, and I'm, I'm assuming they won't be sharing books or workbooks or any. There'll be no sharing of books or pens. Or so everybody will have their own pencil case, and you keep it to yourself with your name on it, etc., etc. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. To yeah, reduce yeah, exactly. that risk. Yeah, yeah, to reduce the risk and um, obviously frequent sanitation, sanitization yeah. as well. So at the end of every every class, at the beginning of class, you sanitize your area. And Tough times. Tough times ahead. Really? What's, what's, what's your prediction, by the way, in relation to it? How well do you think it's all going to go? I mean, look, the Minister for Education seems quite confident that we can do this and it's the most important thing at the moment is making sure the children have an education. The last thing we need is blended learning because that doesn't suit everybody. So how do you think it's going to go, Alan? Look, I, I suppose we've been preparing now for a good number of weeks, and I'd, I'd have to say that I'm very, very hopeful that this, this is all going to go very well, um, as long as us, all, of, all of us in the school community work together. And, and the department cooperates, of and, course. And, and the department cooperate as well, obviously. But, um, I, I mean, I did see, I don't know, I'm sure you've seen that viral picture gone this morning from Athlone. Um, I know I don't know the reason be, reasoning behind it, but I did put up on Twitter, and I know Kalepa uh, there from the Irish Independent put it up too, of a garden shed in a school, and it says this is the shed that'll be or the the room that'll be used for isolating children who may have symptoms. So if your kid has a cough or a cold, he'll be chucked. In. It looks like a garden shed with two chairs in it, and everybody's gone bonkers saying you wouldn't treat an animal like this. Now I, I get the impression that maybe Clonbonny National School in Athlone are trying to draw attention to it because maybe they're not getting the resources from the state. I get the impression that might be the case. Mm-hmm. But do you think, generally speaking, Alan schools are being looked after by the department? Are the are the, the schools getting the resources they need? They they are they are definitely get, getting the resources, and I I think that again it's over the next number of weeks that we really see um, how things how things work out work out for us. I think as well with the isolation rooms, there's a misconception out there that isolation means complete isolation as well. well no, it's until the parent comes to collect them, I suppose, yeah. But, but, but in, the, in the intervening period, your child will be looked after and reassured and comforted as well by the teachers. They're not going to be put out and isolated. And well, I hope not in a garden shed like this one. So? I, don't, I don't know if you've seen the picture. It's a garden shed with two chairs yeah. in it. So in, in, in all schools, the, the main priority is the well-being of, of the child and I think the that common misconception that's out there it is false that's yeah. if your child shows symptoms they will be taken care of as if they were any other illness like they're taken care of within the school as well until the parents can come can come for, for them you know so yeah. I think the, the one thing I am concerned about that is I mean they've told obviously parents that if your child has a runny nose uh, or has you know those kind of symptoms that seems to be okay because that's not a symptom of COVID-19 but if they have a persistent or new cough you should keep or feel unwell and in any other way any other symptoms you should keep your child at home until you talk to your own doctor or GP but, I think but but in saying that Alan every year sure we all know what kids are like sure my kids were permanently sick from the time they were born till they were 10 they constantly had snotty noses and coughs and colds and throat infections and ear infections and sure you know and if if we were to take this literally I think there'd be very few kids left to go to school. 
Yeah, and I think, look, we need to exercise a common sense approach on this, and everybody needs to familiarise themselves with the current medical advice, whatever that is. It's it's, it's changing it's, it's changing very regularly as well. Yeah, yeah. And again, I, I know I've said this already, we're not going to, nobody's going to know how this is going to work until we're actually a few weeks a few weeks into this. So we're, we're very, very, very well prepared. Um, as I said, very hopeful that, that, that everything's going to, going to go well. And when it comes to local school level and when it comes to managing illnesses and things like that as well, it, it's definitely on a case-by-case basis and a common-sense approach. Okay. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much indeed. And I, I appreciate you coming on the air today. Alan White is a teacher and a wellbeing facilitator. Um, uh, and you can go to his website if you want to, by the way. And his website is uh, changeswellbeing.ie. That's changeswellbeing.ie. Gives you some useful information on how to talk to your child about the current situation, I suppose, and what to prepare to prepare for school. Uh, Linda, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Linda? Hi, Niall. How are you? Oh, night, Linda. Nice to talk to you again. You're an SNA. I remember talking I to you am. before. Yeah. Uh, and you have two children of your own. Two children. Uh, one who starts back tomorrow. I start back tomorrow. I have a Crow Park day, so a day okay. of meetings with all staff okay. that we are allowed to have. <laughs> and yeah. then uh, my son goes to play school next Monday. Um, my daughter is 10. She's allowed to bring a school bag, a lunchbox, etc., my son in play school can't have a school bag and can't have a lunchbox. Okay, I know. So, in, yeah, there's a very bit of confusion around this because I know in the yeah. UK they're not allowed to bring a school bag and a lunchbox, but here yeah, they seem know, to be. It's weird. I think I, I don't, think now people are kind of some schools are nervous and they're they're putting their own precautions, but they're not exact. They're not what was rec- it's not recommended. Like I've heard of another a local school to me here. Um, are saying that the children must wear a different uniform every day or wash them. But, um, so that's not practical. It's not really going to be practical, is it's it? It's not practical. No, sure, no. Y- you can't. But I thought they know, said I, a few months ago they were going to do away with uniforms for a few months until this had gone away to save kids having to wear the same uniform yeah. that they could wear just their own clothes. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be so much better for everybody. But I mean, the, the idea of washing a uniform every day, but sure, I think Neffet and one of the one of the press conferences there a couple of weeks ago, they, they kind of laughed at the idea. Like, it, it's not a it's not something that needs to be done, but I think some schools are just so nervous. Well, I, I think effort. they're probably right. Look, the chances yeah. of a virus hanging around on your clothes for 24 hours till you go back to school the next day are probably quite slim to none, slim to be honest with you. Yeah. Okay, but get, okay, getting back to how you feel as a parent and not just an SNA, but how do you feel about sending your kids back to school? Are you anxious or... Um, do you know what, Niall? I've remained since March. I, I, a 10-year-old and a 4-year-old. 10-year-old's well aware of what's going on. Knew Tony Hoolan's name from day one. Knew right. Simon Harris. Every, um, she knows she's not stupid. She knows what the virus is. She knows it kills people, etc. She knows that the risk and probably probability of her getting it is slim to none. Or if she did get it, she might have no symptoms or it might be a cold. And can I, can um, I reiterate that the uh, from yeah. Edinburgh University, because I think these figures are really important for parents sending their kids to school, 137 million uh, children aged between 0 and 19 in eight European countries and America. Out of that, 137 million in the last six months, only 61 children have died. Yeah. So yeah. that that puts things into real perspective. In yeah. fact, like, actually, and I don't like saying this, 142 it was children, I think, or I don't call me 142, yeah. 144 children died of pneumonia and the flu. So yeah. in saying that, your child has zero chance of catching COVID zero realistically chance, and dying. And they get it, it's probably yeah. going to be very mild and it's an illness. But, you know, like what um, Alan was saying, it's all fear. If you're calm and you explain yes. everything to your child, 
they're going to bounce back into school and think I'm just doing what my mom and dad did at home, whatever else. You can't give them fear. Like the fear that's going around now, face. Oh, some some of it's rational and some of it's irrational. Oh, like Niall, there was images people say in an isolation room. I think they thought it was a padded cell. I saw a teacher yesterday, a teacher, now a credible teacher, and I'm not going to say it was, on Twitter Mm -hmm. yesterday put up a tweet saying, and in capital letters, children do die. And I'm going, my God, this is awful. No, I, I think, like, now I only spoke to, I'm on an SNA page um, for Ireland, and we spoke about it yesterday, and I said the exact same thing. People have gone back to work. Frontliners work during it. People have gone back to work. You know, like, we can't just... Yeah, and we're not dropping like flies. Forever. You know what I mean? Yeah, we, we, we have to go back. The children have to go back. Now, I don't know whether you've seen that RTE... Um, they had, like, a video of children, what they missed about school, how they felt during lockdown... Like, children need to go back to normality. They do. They miss normality. They miss their friends. They miss the social life of school. Because, I I mean, when I think back, I'd love to be back in school. I hated it at the time. I have to say, Niall, I'm like a big child. I can't wait to go back. Like, I get paid to sit with kids all day and do kids things. I mean, it's wonderful. Like, (laughs) Do you want to swap careers for a while? (laughs) You know what I mean, Niall? I mean, I'm looking forward to going back to normal. Okay, so, and and what's the restrictions around you? So, you you work more so than a teacher, very closely with a student. yeah, like so what's your restriction? Do you have to wear masks? Have, and um, So basically, air school, we have staggered times. I work in a, an ASD unit in a primary school. So um, myself and my colleague will be the first ones out at the gate. We'll collect their six children. We'll go back in. Then the next class, everything's staggered. Um, we will be wearing visors and masks, uh, full PPE for nappy changes or peg feeding or whatever um, the children might have. Yep. Um, that, that, that's what their plan is. But there, the social distancing in a unit is not possible. I no. mean, um, like it's, it's really so, not and, and how do you think that's going to work out for a child who might have autism or sensory issues? Mm. How is it going to work out looking at you with a face mask and a, and a visor no, on you? I thought about this, right? And I, I've heard and I know people are, oh, would the kids be terrified? I don't want her... Children have seen that since March, and there's actually a load of a good social stories and stuff online on um, As I Am. Um, Simon Harris's brother, Adam, did, does wonderful stuff. They, they know what they are. They're, they're around with their parents every day. They're not going to be, like, they, they understand this is why we're doing it. Um, it's okay. because of a virus. But, like, I think they just, I think children are used to, I think people don't give children enough credit now. They're, like, they've lived through this. They've been at home since March. They've, they, whether or not the parents have hid them or shielded them away from this, they know there's a virus and this is what we have to do. Yeah, um, absolutely. But like, sure, there's, I've no social distancing. It's not possible in my class. Like, No, well, I mean, it wouldn't be for any SNAs to have any social distancing. But listen, Linda, I, I have to wrap it up and run out of time. But listen, the best of luck, Linda. Let us know, by the way, when you go back. Uh, maybe you give us a ring and let us know how you get on, all right? I will, of course. Mind yourself. All right, you you too, Linda. Good luck to you and your two children as well. COVID Connections on the Nile Boylan Show. Classic hits.